Welcome to Five Days with Doug. I'm Doug Perkins, and welcome to season two of my podcast. It's only season two because I took a break for the summer, so I'm calling this season two. Uh, I didn't mean to take a break, but turns out I did take one, so here we are. And uh, since we took a break and I wanted to have a fun and meaningful opener, I chose Josh Quillen to be my guest for this. He's a percussionist with So Percussion. He's a wonderful friend of mine with a big heart. I, I love him. He has this, He's a guy who kind of uh, wears his heart on this, his sleeve and um, believes in honesty and doing the right thing. It's really wonderful. So I'm happy to have him here. Uh, he's also meaningful because he has had a hilarious uh, feud with my duo partner and one of my best friends, Todd Meehan, on the internet all, all year. So I thought it would be fun to bring that up as well. Uh, and it's fun. Eric Chabit shows up. He comes in about 45 minutes in unexpectedly. He was just coming to practice at the So Studios, but he came and sat down and we had a really funny conversation once he got there um, where we took on all, all things So and caught up about music and made fun of each other and, you know, did, did the thing that drummers do when they get together. We had a nice, nice and funny hang. Uh, the first half of the conversation is a bit more serious. Uh, it was a it was a tough week for for both Josh and I. Uh, when I guess all percussionists, we lost a, a a friend and a talented percussionist, Jamie Dietz, a couple of weeks ago now. So uh, we we kind of start the conversation with talking about Jamie and remembering Jamie, and um, yeah, so that felt important. Uh, and then that led us into many other directions. I should say it was also kind of an important conversation to me, and that. Uh, a couple hours after this podcast posted, um, my father-in-law died unexpectedly as well. Um, so yeah, had was really uplifted by this conversation, and then kind of went into my own, my own um, bit of unexpected family uh, loss. So um, yeah, not not that there's much to say about that other than. Uh, it, it just makes me reflect as I was building this podcast, how important it is for us all to have friends and uh, how, how important it is to love each other while we can not, not to be too serious about it, but, but yeah, it, it, it was very meaningful to spend some time with my friends, Josh and Eric um, as, as I went, went on into remembering uh, my father-in-law. And I guess I should say that because it, it also Josh and I talk about, uh, losing his dad. He lost his dad a few years back. Um, and I know that that has a profound impact on his, his life. Um, so anyhow, I've been carrying, I've been carrying this conversation with me for, for, for the week and a half since we, since we recorded it. Um, yeah. So, uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something from it. Uh, again, the first, the first half is a bit more serious and then Eric helps bring it out into into that that fun drummer place um enjoy enjoy the chat sorry if i've just been wordy for a minute uh it's it's a good one and there are many more good ones to come soon so thanks a lot and here is josh quillen and surprise guest eric cha beach
with radishes. We'll see. You. Actually, let's start with a toast. Cheers, Doug. Cheers, bro. Cheers to Lafroy and Mariah. It's nice. You went rye. I did go rye. I'm a. I love. I love whiskey, but just not. Oh, you should talk into that mic. This is a condenser. There you go. I should just, you just eat it. You already put it. Yeah, you should probably eat it. Okay, I can just eat it. You're a guy who does this professionally. <sighs> I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> I so dug to you in the first 10 seconds. It's like, right. Go for it. It's like, I'm no. happy to just sit here and listen to you interrupt me for... How long is this? I don't know. We'll see. You have a you have a hard out. Well, at 5.30, but that's like two hours from now, so... We'll see how it goes. I'm sure people won't want to listen to me for two hours. We'll see. I just figure... Hit me. This is mostly... And then when I was coming to town, I was like... Well, so, you know, I recorded like 10 podcasts in the spring Mm -hmm. and then i thought my summer was going to be full of podcasting but like traveling so much yeah and there are people i was meeting for the first time and it was kind of weird to be like i'm happy to get to know you can we do this with microphones yeah but by contrast we know each other but we totally wouldn't be hanging out right now that's true but now we get to because there's an excuse there's an excuse so if you book it as a gig then it happens. Then it happens. That's how, uh, yeah, most of my relationships these days, sadly, are gigs that are booked. And then it's the only way to, like, uh, who's the, it's like, this, you mentioned you're playing with Signal. It's like the only time I ever see any of the Signal folks now is when we're, like, doing a show at the Barbican Center. And they Everyone's are, too. there, right. And it's like, oh, that's great. I could see, you know. We're here. Brad Festivals. Lubman now. And then, I, oh, there's Caroline Shaw, who lives right around the corner and. Never see her. She's on tour with Kanye, so she's got a little different. She's scene. a little busy. A little different scene than I'm touring the life of Josh right now. She's. <laughs> well, I think she's home sometimes. She um, she has very cute little Snapchats on Instagram, mm. which I which I click, which are mostly very Carolinish and nice. But then it's like, oh look, travel. Oh look, a, something. Pr- Twenty thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> As I sit in and my Kanye holiday, in the air, my Holiday Inn Express. With yeah. the cinnamon soaps. That's right. <laughs> like yeah. I bet Kanye doesn't have cinnamon soaps. So, what's so hi, your... buddy. Hi, buddy. Anyhow, I'm just happy to get to talk to you because yeah. I feel like when I'm not with you, I have very warm feelings about you. And when you're with me, you don't. <laughs> no, but we know. Like, but it's just like I never. Well, one, I never see you, and this is also rare. And that the only time I would see you would be with all of so percussion. Mm-hmm. And then we don't really talk then either. Because yeah, we're, <laughs> so we're doing the same five jokes over and over and over again. Sadly, Todd is making fun of Adam, but oh. but it but in a way that makes it seem like one of us was doing it. That's right. And he manages to float above it all, but it's secretly all Todd's fault. Jason's the new Todd. Jason is we we call him the pot stirrer. Oh. Well, that's good. I don't. I don't. I wasn't in the group whenever Todd and Jay were in the same group. But that's a lot of pots and a well, lot he knows, of ladles. He knows Jason is a virtuoso of that. But I wouldn't think him. I'd always figure Beach to be the no. Beach has well, but Beach has the personality mm-hmm. that he could very you know quietly just kind of. Eric's my tour wife. Just nice. in case anybody was wondering, Eric. I know. I know Eric about as well as I know anybody on the planet. Um, next to my wife and Eric. Eric's not a pot stirrer. Eric, uh, Jason is the real Jason's the Jason's the real culprit in the group. <laughs> That's nice, but I think he learned everything he knows from Todd. Well, as you know, Todd <laughs> likes to stir a good pot now, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he certainly does. 
Um, but maybe we'll circle back to Todd. Let's do it. A little further down into our drinks. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, I don't know. This could go a lot of ways, but I did give you homework a little bit, which, which is I what do. I give. That's good to know. You know, I started this thing. Uh, I thought the idea of having a podcast that went through somebody's week detailing their minutia mm-hmm. was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first time I ever did it was with Feeney, right. with Tim Feeney. Right. And I um, gave him more homework than I gave you mm-hmm. about ways to look at his five days before we have an interview and to give give things. And all I got was emails back about like, why would anyone want to plan their life like this? This is so stupid. Yeah. So he slammed me in the face. So my home. So remind me, my homework was to tell you what I did the the last five days. Uh, yeah. If you were gonna do the full homework at the beginning of the five days, you might have set out goals for what you were gonna do for the five days. Oh, set out goal, goals. Well, it'd been like in the next five days, I will do these things, mm-hmm. and then you would have talked about what you did, or successes, or failures. Yeah. Or you would have not done it, and that would tell us something about you. Yeah. Well, I I am a pretty uh, schedule oriented person in, in in general i i do have you know an iCal just like the next person i my goals are i'm i'm very list oriented so i will have like i have a million stickies uh-huh. that are like not day specific they're sort of like prepare stuff for rehearsing all of the stuff with aim tomorrow or like finish the audit gather music and gear for this month like they're kind of general there's there's like quasi deadline but it's all like little just checklist things um so my life basically i don't have like goals day to day they're sort of like i'm just constantly going back to the list and just making sure that accomplishing yeah i i feel like i can't ever get to the big picture stuff i can i'm not a very good like big picture see the whole board i see most of the board and I feel like the way for me to see the board is to get rid of the little stuff. And so if I feel like I can do that, then I have a better sense of where I'm headed. So so what kind of things did you do this week? Well, what I did this week is on Monday, I did a uh, an interview for a Cleveland newspaper since so is going to Akron. Oh, yeah, right. We're playing a concerto. Oh, that's the best. With the Akron Symphony, um, my old my old stomping grounds, my, my alma mater. Oh, Great. And so uh, I did an interview and it really felt like I was like LeBron James coming home with the trophy sort of thing. Oh, like, and it hasn't even begun yet. Well, they printed my name on the actual tickets. It says Josh Quillen and so percussion. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> and I feel terrible. Well, and then Adam bit. and Adam and uh, Eric are like, well, we, you know, we kind of live around here, too. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I did in deference to them. I did. I did uh, make it clear to the interviewer that three out of the four of us were having a homecoming and Jason was a Kobe Bryant fan. That's great. Um, But that he was an honorary Buckeye against his wishes. Um, I love the, I love, love, love tickets. Have your name first. It's, it's, it's like, so they're playing the planets on the second half of the show. So it says like, so and the planets, Josh Quillen and so percussion on the actual tickets from EJ Thomas Hall, which for the record, I emailed them like months ago and said not to do that. Ah, because, who cares? That's so great. Yeah. So that's what I did on Monday. And on Tuesday I had a rehearsal with Ain okay. for this project called Radicals in Miniature. Um, 
And then I uh, went to the dentist, had a teeth cleaning. How are your teeth? My teeth are great. Turns out I have alkaline saliva, not acidic saliva. Is that a good thing? I think it depends on what you want. I think acidic... So they said that acidic saliva people have a higher rate of cavities because it wears away your enamel. Whereas alkaline saliva people have a higher... um, buildup of tartar so one wears away stuff and causes cavities and the other sort of causes a buildup of stuff which leads to like gum disease and stuff down the line and the dentist was like you have a lot you have a tendency to build up tartar so you just need to be aware don't don't use like the mouthwashes that have the fluoride in it use like scope don't use the scope complete or whatever that stuff is because what it does is it builds up and then it stains and it makes your teeth look crappy I was like, I didn't know that. They also don't poke at your teeth anymore with that little poker just to check for cavities. Right. Because evidently it cracks your enamel and causes cavities, which I also didn't know. It's kind of, I'm a little suspect of that particular thing, but it was a very enlightening visit. No cavities. That's good. Clean as a whistle. Um, Super straight teeth, thanks to to Sue Quillen. (laughs) Just wanted to get that in there. Uh, Wednesday, I had a, print, a chamber music coaching down at Princeton with a, uh, a, a piano quintet, uh, a, a Ralph von Rafe, excuse me, von Williams quintet. That was lovely. And then we had rehearsal from 9.30 to 12.30. And then I uh, met with Eric to go over our chart of accounts for QuickBooks. Nice. Also fascinating. Um, and Thursday, I we had rehearsal here from 11 to 2 packed for our trip to Akron and uh sadly Eric and I had to go to Jersey for Jamie Dietz's oh you went oh good um and then Friday I had rehearsal just had rehearsal this morning and uh, I am now sitting here with you but uh I have many questions how was so we lost a friend this week we did a dear dear friend who um, he was in your wedding he was in my wedding yeah uh yeah. Yeah. Jamie Dietz, who, for those of you, I'm sure many people listening to this probably know Jamie because we're all, our world is like high school and everybody knows each other. Um, but for those of you that don't know Jamie, he and I were in school together at Yale, uh, which is where I met him. And we played in a duo together um, and played a ton of music together and had some pieces written for us by friends like Mark Danziger's wrote us a piece called Lying Lying Down. Um, Amy, or Missy Mazzoli wrote us a piece. Uh, called volume and yeah we were super close in school and then I got the job with so right out of grad school and uh, just you know life kind of came off the rails in a really great way in terms of work and got married and had all these really great opportunities and kind of let that relationship slide and in a way that I'm really uh I don't want to say regretful of, but I'm aware that I was absent in a way that um, I shouldn't have been and knew that he was uh, having, didn't quite get a fair shake at things. And um, so I felt like I needed to go there to the calling hours to sort of, um, for lack of a better word, atone for my my sins of absence. Um over the last 10 years 
I mean, it's been 10 years since I got out of school and, um, I, you know, yeah. Well, not to beat yourself up about it. Did, would he reach out to you much? No. I mean, every once in a while, but I mean, that's a two way street. I, I get it. Uh Like I, you know, I, I, it's easy. It's easy for me to say, oh, he could have been in contact with me too. The difference was, is I wasn't the one who needed contact from friends and I my personal reflection of it was one of I need to be more aware when friends of mine or colleagues or employees of mine that are around me like being perceptive to the need of just attention or to listen or to reassure or to question or to whatever like those being aware of when that stuff needs to happen I just need to get better at because I let it slide and you know and now I don't have a choice anymore and that really breaks my heart in a way that you know my dad died in 2009 but it was my dad it's like I, I knew him my whole life and I have regrets about the way that went down too but it's just different he it's just different and so I, I went down yesterday with Eric, and and um, it was intense. But you know, sometimes you got to have the hard conversation, even if the other person isn't there to have it anymore. So, well, that's really great. Um, I mean, I'm glad I did it, but it's it's not it's yeah, it's a it is a tragic situation on every possible level, and. Um, I really want to be better at, I want to have the celebration concert with friends before they die. I want to like, I want to have the Doug Perkins scholarship at SOCI before Doug Perkins shuffles off the mortal coil. And right now it's like this stuff always naturally happens retroactively. Or you, you look back and say, Oh, we should do a concert for Jamie. It's like, that's true. But I just, I dropped the ball on that one. And, so, I just need to... Got to do better. Got to do better. So, um, yeah. I told you I was going to talk about... <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. So, bi- other yeah, yeah. things, but... But, no, I mean, it's a big, that's a big one. Since after we talked, you know, Jamie passed. and mm-hmm. So, I don't think there's anything you can do about it. Literally nothing. Start honoring him. Hey. Hi, Mark. <laughs> What's happening? Really good. It's good. You paid Mark to come in and pivot. Yeah. We're podcasting, Mark. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you guys? Really good. We're hanging. Nice. Sorry. He works for you now? He's he's doing some Around. interning and hanging out. and. That's great. Doing some rehearsing and practicing in the space. <coughs> so. Very good to see you. I did not expect to see you. I didn't expect to see you. <laughs> Sick and bears. Surprised you let him around, Mark. Mark's great. Yeah, but his teacher. Yeah, I can let it slide. From <laughs> <laughs> so, what else you want to talk about? Well, we can stay somewhat in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, broadly, I believe in you as somebody who cares about people. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, in a way, it's good for Jamie that you are are around. I bet you won't let him die as far um, as his, his, his legacy. 
if I know Josh Quillen. I, I, yeah. I mean, I it's I ask myself these questions all the time when like what's the best way to to keep someone's energy in the air, you know, whether it be my father or whether it be Jamie or whether it be just people that aren't around me on a like I don't I don't see you all the time, but I feel like you know your energy is something that I I want to be I want to have an awareness of often um and even todd falls into that category (laughs) as a as a he puts himself in that yeah i don't know but um i i you know i think along those lines like i feel like one of the things that jamie you know one of the reasons i am who i am um the projects that i choose to do um like this stuff with ain is all not not all of it but predominantly about um gay men and women who passed away during a time period where the internet wasn't what it was. YouTube didn't exist. So they only exist in like tiny little Google images or an obscure newspaper article, newspaper article. So the project, um, tries to sort of highlight those in ways that other artists now just don't ever have to think about. Um, and so I feel like somebody like Jamie, the reason I work with somebody like Ain is because of somebody like, because Jamie was the first person I ever knew who was openly gay um, and challenged my, um, I don't even think they were beliefs, just my assumptions. Like, I think there is a difference between a belief and an assumption. Like, I uh-huh. I grew up in a, in a town that was an amazing town. I'm really glad I'm, from, I'm where I'm, I was from Dover, Ohio. But Dover, Ohio in the 1980s and 1990s was... Um, you know, dare the Reagan administration, gays are bad, drugs are bad, everything's bad. Um, and it was the f- like black people were bad. Like, and, and my family never personally put that on me, but it was just growing up in that r- small rural town. There was some issues that I was aware of, but didn't necessarily well, or that you were you weren't really aware of you were aware that there were things there were things. Your town was people said choosing not to engage with those things right people called certain people different names uh-huh. derogatory names and i i knew it was a an intense word but i didn't know what it meant and i didn't know what it meant to the person that it was being said to so when i first got to grad school with jamie um he was the first person i knew that was openly gay and and had a conversation with me about the way that he was struggling with pe- assumptions and, and views that people had about his gayness or the idea that gayness is a thing. You know, what do I have a, is being straight a thing? Like that I remember asking him like, what, like, so you love another man. Like I love Stephanie. She's my girlfriend at the time. Like I love her. Like you, I asked him outside of Woolsey hall, like you love another man. Like, and he looked at me and just very plainly like, yeah. And that was the first person who had ever, who I knew who, who taught me that that was something that should not ever be questioned or, and that it should be a normalized, like the idea that we have to normalize it is ridiculous. The idea that we have to like say out loud that being gay is okay. Being gay is being a human just as being straight is. 
Um, so my assumptions about that community changed into beliefs once I met Jamie, um, because he was also an incredibly loving person, also cared about the people around him. Um, but also was somebody that embraced darkness in a way that, um, was real and tangible and, um, and he was trying to deal with. And so from that moment, I, f I felt like my views on just seeing other people in, in, in the world who had like a, whether it be a student who has an issue with, you know, comes from a, a background where maybe they didn't get a lot of training that I might have had or that you might have had, trying to see in them the things like, oh, well, like there's a way to get from here to here. They just didn't have the help that I had or they didn't have a teacher that was as passionate as I was lucky to have. So, um, or frankly, there's some people who just wake up every day and have to decide between turning on the lights or eating. And uh, so doing food packing thing, it's like, I think all of that stuff, like the normalization of food in your belly or the acceptance of people who have different um, skin colors or <laughs> gender preferences or... Um, somebody that they love like I feel like as an artist my responsibility is like sure to try to sound as good as possible as I can on music for pieces of wood like yeah that's I guess the thing that I have to do for a job it gets us into conversations it gets us into conversations and it puts it gets me to a platform upon which I can uh -huh. talk to students at SOCI about this sort it's of the thing. best platform you have right now um, but at the end of the day um, I feel like if that platform is not used in a way that genu genuinely helps the world move forward an inch from where it started, then it doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't, playing music well doesn't do anything unless you use it to um, teach somebody how to be a better person. What was your, um, what was your crossroads moment into service? For me, my mom was a social worker. So I had this whole thing of, I think partially out of like a need for childcare when I was growing up, she would take me to her, um, this place called the FOR in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, where she would have me play with little kids in the childcare center while their parents were like at the food bank that's upstairs or getting a doctor's appointment or going to counseling. So I got, I got a touch of that. And then I would, I moved up into serving food in the kitchen upstairs she one day when i was like 11 she was doing um i forget what but in one of the housing projects in pittsburgh remember she just dropped me off on one side she was like just get out here go meet go meet miss pat walk down here make a left make a right her place is three on three doors down go meet miss pat and then i suddenly remember like you know the idea of like a housing project again as a suburban western pennsylvanian was like oh <gasps> And this is this became a housing project. I spent every summer until I was eighteen, doing summer camps and painting houses and hanging out, and had some of my best life moments. But because my mom threw that down, for a number of reasons, went into music. But anyhow, like I can, I can, I can choose all. I can easily for me. I can go back to those. I had like a lot of touchstone moments where then like I went to conservatory and that you know I had that went away from it, and then I think my breakdown actually. I've, my my second crossroads. Sorry, I talk about myself. I'm just letting you, you know, you should eat a radish or something while I'm. Um, I'll finish this one. I started at the beginning. Um, that's classy. Um, I remember having a, 
a very clear breakdown at a talk back session with so at UC Santa Cruz where this was before my time. Yes. Yeah, okay. Being that you took over. I've never been to UC Santa Cruz, so that That's right. Me. Yeah. So I was And you, I and was you not play there. my parts. <laughs> <laughs> I was your under I'm your understudy. <laughs> you play a lot of my old parts <laughs> when those things come up. Um but I remember sitting on stage after we'd played like drumming number seventeen. Seven hundred and five. Uh-huh. And sitting on stage and talking about the the wonders of third construction and the wonders of drumming to like some audience and just being like, Oh, their wine buzzes are wearing off and they're going to go home and tomorrow they will go back to their lovely lives. And I will give the same speech again. I need to do more than just get my phase up from one minute to one minute, 20, you know, like it, and it's like, I remember leaving my body temporarily at Mm -hmm. UC Santa Cruz. Um, and so it's been it's been a bigger part of my thing, yeah. but like it was like that, and then waking up that day. So what? Because for you, it feel well. What was it? I mean, I would say there there's there's two moments that come to mind immediately. One was in 2009 after my dad passed away. And my dad my dad and I did not get along politically. My dad was a Rush Limbaugh conservative, um, which in today's political climate, which I'm sure we'll get to, um, is probably considered a moderate Republican. Yeah, that's not so bad. No. Um, my dad was not a conspiracy theorist, so I guess that means he's a moderate. <laughs> moderate. But he, we, we used to get in knockdown, dragout fights about politics, and um, but he was always the he was always the one to volunteer to drive the BAM truck or to chaperone things or to volunteers time for you know fundraising things for the boy scouts or whatever um so i wasn't always aware that that was a a thing like volunteering your time for free like he never said that's what he was doing it was just that was part of our family structure is that idea that that's what you did um but then when he passed away i found out that um the last year when he was really sick and sort of uh, bedridden, couldn't work, that the job that he had before he, when he was diagnosed, um, he was selling trucks um, <clears throat> at a business I won't mention because I don't want to get them in trouble, but they, under the table, paid him a consultant fee to keep him on the payroll so he could keep his health insurance, um, which was something they didn't have to do um, because they knew he was bedridden and he would check his email every now and again, but they basically kept him on the payroll so that he wouldn't be thrown to the dogs. Nice. And I drove there um, similarly to, for the reasons why I went to see Jamie's calling hours yesterday, like I drove to hit to where he worked and found the boss, the boss and the bosses who did that. Um, and they didn't know who I was and I introduced myself to them and I, I just want, and I was like, I just, I know what you did. And as, as soon as I started saying the words, and I just want to thank you for that, I, I broke down crying. And they cried too. Um, and I was like, you didn't, you did something that no one asked you to do, and that frankly was illegal. Like, y- you lied so that you could keep my father um, as safe as you, and as healthy as you could, or as comfortable as you could. And And sometimes that's what, that's, and their response was, that's just, that's what you do. And um, I left that, 
I was only there for like five minutes and I left. They probably don't remember that I was even there and it's fine. But that moment of like somebody saying that's what you do, despite the legality of the situation or the ethical, the ethics of the situation, like it's what you do. Um, that has, that stuck with me in a way that a lot of stuff around my father's death hasn't just that, that generosity was big for me. Um, the second thing was my wife. Uh, I mean, my wife's a pastor and her whole career is about trying to get people to, um, to her, her mission is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. So she, she teach, she's a pastor in a very affluent area in New York who are very comfortable in life. And her job isn't to make them feel bad about things or feel guilty, but just to feel like you have a responsibility. You wake up every day and you know where your food is and you know you don't have to look for water. And the water you do get, you know is clean. Like those very basic things you don't think about every day. People in Flint, Michigan don't have that decision to make right now. So if there's a way that you can contribute anything, whether it be time or money, do it because it's what you do. Um, and that, that sort of, that stuck, that idea or that mission, that, uh, that mantra stuck with me, um, up until a point when I saw her church camp do a food packing event, when it hit me of like, oh, this is actually like much easier than I thought it was. Like you see all the stuff like, oh, the, you know, the, the make it right houses in new Orleans or habitat for humanity and people volunteer and build houses. Like it always seems like you watch it on TV or you see a thing and it's like, I'm going to build a house. Like that's crazy. Um, but I watched them do this food packing event. They raised $5,000 and had like a hundred kids in a room and they packaged all these meals in like two hours and a truck pulled up from the local food bank um, in outside in New Jersey somewhere. And this guy got out of the car and had all he was told was to come and pick up some food that was being donated. He had no idea what was going on. And, and they brought out 25,000 meals in all these boxes. And the look on this guy's face, like the truck was like basically dragging on the, the trailer hitch was like dragging on the ground. And he was just like, he didn't say anything the whole time. He was just like flabbergasted. And then they, then he drove away and the students went on about their business. Like, that it all of a sudden became real like oh this is not rocket science you need a little bit of money and you need time those are two things that as a privileged person in the society i can do so um just like those guys that helped my dad because at some point or just like my dad volunteered his time to drive a truck for the band or whatever at some point somebody you're somebody's you're going to need somebody to drive your truck or you're going to need somebody to bring you some food and if it means that you make a casserole for your friend because they broke their leg. You make the casserole. That's what you do. And are you always good at it? Or do you always hit it out of the park every time someone needs something? No. You drop the ball sometimes or you forget. You sink back into your privilege, which I do on a regular basis as I sit here and drink whiskey in my weird percussion studio. Like, yeah. I get that. Like, it happens. But as often as you can remind yourself to just, like, stop and be like, what? Like, donate donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center, donate to, to, you know, whatever world relief charity you have right now, because people in Haiti are screwed right now. Yeah, super screwed. So if you got five bucks, like it doesn't, you don't, five bucks will buy food for 20 people. Like 
just give the five bucks. Um, you'll get it back. You'll get it back. Like I, I don't, and I, I don't think it's, it's not like a karma thing. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it comes to you. That energy comes to you in ways that are really hard to put a timestamp on, but it gets there. And it's been my experience anyway. And plus it just feels good. Like if, if for nothing else, like the feeling you have of donating five bucks to some, some charity that needs it, that click feels really good. And it feels better than that five bucks being in your pocket. Right. Um, so the, uh, in terms of those two events, my dad, those, that, that company helping my dad and then seeing my wife sort of navigate the politics of what a church can and can't be, um, has really influenced my approach to like teaching and what is so's mission. We just changed this past year. We changed our mission statement to include a service component. So like carbon offsets, um, service doesn't necessarily always have to be helping people. Like sometimes a tree needs your help too. (laughs) And so if you can give, if you can offset your, your carbon footprint by any amount, do it. And you know, it's not, you're not going to see the results. Not again, there's not going to be a tree that's going to sprout up outside your door, but somebody who knows better than you is going to put that money to good use. And that's important. And just get over yourself and do the work. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most important of any of this stuff, like you can think about the reasons why you do stuff, but like, as you say, there's somebody who's hungry. You should feed hungry people. Yeah. Somebody needs their stuff moved, move it. People need, things you've got time the trash needs taken out take the trash out like don't wait for somebody else to do it um just get in there and get your hands dirty and be and 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 if you and be aware of the fact that if you are in a position of privilege which i am that means that you're not always going to be able to to achieve that every day of your life i live in scarsdale i go home to scarsdale every day and there's a good amount of time when i'm home and I'm very comfortable, and I'm not stressed, and I'm not working. I go to St. Croix with my wife, and that's a beautiful place, and I sit in the ocean that I can see the bo- right to the bottom, <laughs> and I find starfish, and I drink rum and Coke. It's awesome. But when it hits me like, okay, oh, yes, this work needs done, get, I try my best to get my butt off the couch and do it. Or just when you get called to do it, and you just yeah. try to answer the call. I hope that answers your question. No, that's good. <laughs> Roundabout, but yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting. It, it goes back to what you were talking about about a career playing music for pieces of wood. Um, and I, I, I think, think if I think if I died, and, and seeing Jamie's being there with Jamie, I was the funerals today. I, was, I wasn't able to be at, but if if what somebody says about me at the end of my life was that I was an amazing percussionist. I think I dropped the ball big time. Totally. And I want, I don't, not that I want so to be a footnote to my life, but um, I would much prefer, if I had a choice, I would much prefer it be a footnote than a headline. And um, I want people to just not be able to, like, I want people to, to be like, yeah, you know, it was, he was the guy that if you needed something, you could go to. Um, He was the guy that had moments of weakness. He was the guy that was willing to uh, cry if you needed. Like he—he was the guy that wasn't able to just like deal with some things sometimes. And 
he was a guy that was able to say that out loud that we as a species have some real deficiencies <laughs> and um i think owning that is really important and i want people to uh, that's what i want people to know and if at the end of it you get a good review in the new york times from time to time that's that's really great it's good for your mom <laughs> it's good for my mom but it but it, you know and it, and it does help like we said earlier it does help the platform to upon which to do all this stuff but um if so disappeared tomorrow um or i broke both my legs or something and wasn't able to do this job i think i would i think i don't think i would want people to view me any differently i would still do the things i would do i would still try to find ways to to work and feel uh have that warm honey feeling in my chest at the end of the day because i did something that meant something to somebody um, your community would just change the people yeah, you were serving would change totally and um i would just seek out another sort of community similarly to what we've what you have been a part of building from day one um i would just figure out a way to to uh recreate that in its own unique form so yeah it's funny the i love music i love making music mm though every year i get older <laughs> well when it gets harder mm -hmm. do you feel old yet how old are you 37 i'm turning 40 this year it's hitting me harder than i wished and i care to it admit hit me when i mentioned the goonies the other day and nobody <coughs> had any idea what i was talking about right um i've tried to get jake to watch the goonies a couple times it looks so old i feel like people who watch stranger things myself included should love the goonies i think that's right i think that's um so that's i'm trying like kareem a uh, has never seen the Goonies, but she's seen Stranger Things, and I was like, "You, got, that's like the OG Goonie or the OG Stranger Things." I'm like, yeah, it's a bunch of kids running after a ghost, you know. So like, watch it. But like, I definitely feel like there's there's a difference now between me and them, the students. Um, right. That has made me feel like okay, I'm I'm now that generation. There's now another generation that is different <laughs> yeah i'm getting older and achier that's fine the achy thing i i feel like my late 30s are pretty raging i'm a big fan of the late 30s these days um but i it has it has been at the cost of like letting go of my youthful late 20s early 30s like where you could still pretend that you were in college sort of yeah where that energy has but the energy's better now, I think. Like, I like the late 30 energy. Am I alone, am I alone here? I think I like my mid-30s energy. Uh -huh. My turning 40 energy, I'm worried. Why? Hot yoga, dude. Yeah, well, I just feel like... Well, like last year, you know, like, I, I did the, like... I exercised. I ran a half marathon. Mm -hmm. Then, like... My body has, I think, hurt since the day I stopped training. <laughs> I saw you. I saw pictures of you running the marathon. I was I like, tried to I need to do that. Yeah, can do no, it. well, and you know, but you then were, I like, saw, only saw one post of you stuff. doing it. Well, but I stopped doing that too. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck. So I, <laughs> like, it's bad. I'd like. I'll just, you know, there's more ibuprofen than there used to be. I don't even. I don't even know. I got well. I got scared of the of the heavy lifting thing. To be quite honest, I, well, I it looks intense because you guys were like, "You're well." Stephanie's still like, well, she she li she doesn't do like uh, it's not even really cross like it's Olympic lifting. Like she does like pr it's just proper weight lifting. It's not CrossFit. And it's not like I thought I saw her moving some tires the other day. Well, maybe she was 
flipping a tire, but it's not um, throwing no more beer kegs. Yeah, no more beer kegs because I, there was a woman at the gym who was doing stones, and um, which I was I love doing. It was super fun. I'm very task based, like I mentioned earlier. Like when somebody's like, "Hey, there's there's two uh, or three stones. One weighs 150, the another's 225, the other's 300. Can you put them up there?" Like, yes, I can check that off. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like eh, checked it off the list. Done. Like that felt good to me until I saw this woman do a stone and it got caught between the platform and the stone her finger did ah. and it ripped all the skin off ah. uh, and I thought to myself that no, is a that's not good that's not a career ender but that's a like you're eight you're out for like eight months mm. um, and uh, or I'm only playing music for pieces of wood where I just need one hand basically <laughs> right <laughs> so, and you have like a mount right <laughs> I've got like a mount. marching band mount you know I'm just playing so I stopped doing that and started doing yoga and nice and uh doing like hot yoga and it something about just sweating everything out and having that like hour and a half of just quiet breathing and contemplation has been really great so i yeah i don't know i'm I'm loving that's good i gotta i need to make some time i've my hour schedules are the downside of our lives What's fun is sometimes in the afternoon you get to drink whiskey with your friends Mm -hmm. and we're in a room full of cool instruments. Right. But then sometimes we have to like travel and not see our families for a lot of most times actually, which which sucks, especially, well, no, it just sucks for everybody. I've, 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 but so when I'm home, like going to a 90 minute hot yoga class or letting Jake like pummel my back, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Jake climbing on my back. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, I don't. I don't have kids so like and being in a group with two guys that do have kids like that's a I'm very aware of of uh, the sacrifices that somebody makes for their children who are awesome you know is awesome and Jake's Jason's still kind of he's fit isn't he fit or does he just not eat anymore uh he just ran a triathlon I think did really well yeah I feel like he's yeah he does he does he's good on the road but it's like but I I know that it's like Gia is awesome. Elsie and Mabel are awesome. Like, and I know that those guys bust their humps along with their wives, who are busting more humps than, with all due respect, Jason and Adam, <laughs> claim. Um, you know, Christina and Beth. Like, I, I know that that's a thing. Um, but I, for me, I felt like I, if I don't, if I'm not able to carve out that time, then I just end up looking like a, one of those characters in in Wally that just is like a blob just sort of motoring around and I can't, I can't do that. I had the moment the other day where I was, I was at my house and I was feeling like, you know, I haven't run much, but I'm feeling, feeling pretty good. And then this morning in my hotel, I walked by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you saw your pear shaped profile on the way to brush my teeth. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> I decided so I, I walked a little further than I needed to, to get here today. <laughs> I, did, I decided to do yoga without my shirt on. Oh, no. Because everybody in the room didn't have their shirt on, except, I mean, none of the guys did. And I was like, well, I can't be that guy. So I was like, it's like going swimming without your shirt on. So I was like, oh, it's the same kind of thing, you know. And just there are mirrors everywhere in the yoga studio. And no matter what angle you're at, it just looks like like, uh, somebody filled a Ziploc baggie with, like, gravy and just is like, (laughs) and it just taped them all over my chest and my gut. I'm just impressed that you felt confidence in your butt crack. Like, Uh, I would have thought that that would have been making some appearances. Very conscious of where that is at all times. Um, 
and we every time somebody's butt crack hangs out in soap percussion, somebody sings a Super Mario Brothers theme song because <laughs> <laughs> it's a plumber crack. So we, I every it, I, my, I have made it a point to try to make sure my butt doesn't hang out um, in every social. Ex- and I'm going to do everything I can to not delve into that further. <laughs> you started it. I didn't. No, I know. But I, I didn't just, start it. Um, uh, just for anybody's out there, if you ever hear us singing, it means that one of us has our butt crack hanging out. Uh, we have a million secret codes. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I feel like most times I do yoga. My memory of doing yoga is the yoga instructor finding me in the middle of one pose and going, okay. <laughs> that's my relationship to yoga instructors mine is yeah mine is usually like straighten out your legs straighten out your legs my legs have never been straight straight? my thighs have always touched and and my knees have never not been bent (laughs) my entire life eric chabich has never his two thighs have never once said hello to each other mine have thigh gap He's got a killer thigh gap. I do not. I have to replace underwear about every six months because it just looks like a like a Hulk or a Incredible Hulk T-shirt in the middle where, <laughs> where they've been rubbing for for six months. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Laugh to yourself. You know it's true. <laughs> I need to know Eric better. I think that would be a good thing for a lot of people. I feel like he's a, he's a good, he's a good egg. That one. I feel like I mean we obviously we love each other, but we he just always seems so un um conflicted about life when I'm around him that I end up like finding a more tortured soul in the room to talk to you. <laughs> Being envious of his unconflictedness. He's like, Oh yeah, hey, yeah, that's good. Okay. I don't want to blow Eric's cover, but he and he is more similar to you and me than he will ever want to admit. In the sense that he is very, he's just quieter about it. Yeah, you yeah. and I, you we and I yeah. have a conversation out loud, or we just like I'll be like that needs fixed, and I will like go there like a whirling dervish, and everybody will know that I've that I'm doing this thing. Right, um, Eric quietly. Well, that's why he's like Todd. He quietly under behind the scenes, like yeah, yeah. I think he's um, all of his skeletons are neatly hanging in the closet. Mine are strewn about the house (laughs) and in my life, just sort of like thrown anywhere I can put them. And his are very neatly organized that very few people see. And I've had the pleasure and the honor of seeing them. And it warms my heart when I do. Um, That's good. He's a, he's a rock. You can count on that guy. Yeah. I feel like I, I get mine. Well, I think I was a repressor. Mm. I think I repressed my bad feelings for a long time. I, for a while, was seeing a therapist. But you're from, yeah, so was I. You, you're from the Midwest, though. I'm from a good, but it's, it's a Midwest, Catholic, Midwestern. Oh, I mean, that, those two words put together, you are primed for repression. I told my therapist I never, I, I'm never angry. He's like, well, I don't get angry. And he was just like, yeah, you do. I was like, no, no, no. He's like, yeah, you do. He's like, you just put it in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And he was right. Totally. There was like two years where I was like letting all of this shit out. 
and realized I had all these feelings. Yeah. That's good. I feel better. Yeah. I'm very similar. I, I feel like I, I was, I was just having this conversation with someone who I care a lot about and I was telling her that I, all I, I'm very needy at very specific times. And I don't actually need specific things to get done the way I want them to get done. I just want to feel like someone knows and appreciates the fact that I need to be aware that things are being done. Like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. But it was a little, I couldn't tell if that was my whiskey talking that I couldn't understand what you're saying. <laughs> it might have been. It was my whiskey talking. Uh, I need, I just need to feel like my concern is valid. Past that. I don't need any level of investment. Like I don't need somebody to like, well then let's do it your way. I don't need my way. I just need my way to be acknowledged as a possible way. And then after that we can move on and where, where my weakness is is when that doesn't happen, I bottle it up and then it ends up blowing up. You know, Jason and I, we, we joke about it a lot, but there was a gig that we had in DePaul like eight months into my, my, my time was so, and I just like unloaded and we were at a dinner table in DePaul at like a cafeteria and he and I were yelling at each other and crying at the same time. And like, it's like, there's no reason that needed to happen. It's just like had communication Uh been a little more uh, thoughtful and forced early on, then we wouldn't have had to. Yay. Oh, beat Jones. Speak of the devil. This is Eric. Eric Beach just Chop Beach oh, no. just walked in. I want to get a microphone. I should hook you in. We were just talking about you. What are you doing? Well, oh, do you want to podcast for a minute? Get over and podcast. We're not. We're we're going to be done soon. No, 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 no. You're here. It would be weird. You guys have 58s and a microphone cable? Of course you do. Here's a 57. I, we can also, I can also give the mic. No, no, no. It'll be fun. Hold on a second. Eric, pop a squad. Buddy. I was just <laughs> saying how I wish I, I was, just, I was literally just lamenting like, man, I'm always, I feel good about beach, but we don't, we don't get down to the heart of it enough. I'm in town doing a signal thing and I started a podcast last year and I did some I did some episodes. I made some episodes. gonna practice i've only had some time but this is sure i'd love to talk to you you came up oh nice oh yeah you were the guy that everybody would let their daughter hang out with yeah, or something. Right. oh yeah right that's great yeah so i got a ringing endorsement ringing we're, yeah it's happening we're doing this yeah what's your dog's name i forget 
Parsley. Parsley the dog. And we are rare day for a trebuchet in That's case true. you guys aren't. Rare day for the trebuchet. We have have performed. It. And we are. Lincoln Center in 2012. Yeah, it's been a hot second, but. And we are, we, cu- we're Cupid. We're rare. That's true. We're rare day comes from uh, the leap, the leap year for, what is it? Uh, two, 229. Every four years. Every four years. There's so we a, only perform every four day. years on the leap day. February 29th. And did this ever happen? No. No, so you've <laughs> never had a gig yet. Uh, we performed at the Barbican Center. Barbican Center. Ohio. It was uh, more. But of it a wasn't on February 29th. Yeah. So we started. Yeah. Uh, but so you had to be called something else. You probably called yourself Soap Percussion. We called ourselves else. Rare Day for a Trebuchet. In the Barbican, that was your name. Yeah. But so you already you had one gig and you didn't play it right. Basically. All right. Well, this is uh, great. My, so my laptop I'm here. crashed during that gig, so we didn't play. It was more of a solo gig with with. <laughs> uh, Josh, welcome Ray, to my podcast. With rare day for a trebuchet. With, with seated silent accompanist. <laughs> for about the last thirty seconds, my computer booted back up. Thirty seconds. I made some music. So. That's great. What What did I interrupt? What were you guys talking about before? Um, we have talked about, we've talked about death. We've talked about service. We've talked about friendships. Uh, I was about to make the pivot to pivot. Uh, I was about to pivot to tattoos and what a dickhead Ch- Todd Meehan is. Um, Ooh, well, but but you're here. Josh is right here, and he's the source of the <laughs> uh, of the hatred. Yeah, I mean the ongoing. How dispute. are you, Beach? But before we go to Todd, I'm pretty good. You know, just some stuff done. Coming, just coming to was planning on practicing, here. but now I'm not. I so was practice uh, Lucas Ligeti's thinking songs. Hey, we have a. Are you are you doing the thing? You're not doing the thing. I think I'm doing the thing now because we just found out that Josh and I are going to Pasek. Yeah, we're going to Pasek. So, oh, nice. Um, Is Todd going to Pasek? Can we for um, like for the 45 minutes? Can we put a link you, in this podcast pr- promoting the Pasek show? Yeah, well, yeah, we're playing Pasek 11 a.m. on Friday. Something like that. I'm playing. I'm playing the um, the Suzuki book too movement of thinking songs which i'm grateful for okay <laughs> but it's like it's like 45 measures of partially have a radish yes absolutely of quarter note equals 70 oh, wow. i don't know if she's had a radish is that the one where you put the symbol on the marimba and the no, no no i just i don't do much oh okay i play like bloop 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 <laughs> bloop 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 roll <laughs> Which makes me feel that Jihei doesn't believe in me as a marimbist. She's not right. wrong. <laughs> she's a very astute person. She, <laughs> she's smart. She she brings a bunch of people who can't play the piece nearly as well as she does to embarrass themselves in front of her. It's almost like she. I think she's gonna play like ten minutes of music that I could never will never play. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I will play me, these me eighth, very me slow eighth record. notes. That's what do you a, have a hard movement or is it not so bad? I have the first movement, which is like. Not nearly as hard as GAs. I think. Oh, you have the first movement, so you'll. But that's pretty hard. You know, it's like medium hard. It's yeah. Like, so you play, then I play. It's like a guy who's who's practiced some Steven's grip can learn the first movement, but skinny guy. Can learn the Eric movement. is a deceptively uh, adept <laughs> mallet player. I don't doubt it. I am not. I am not deceptive or adept in my mallet playing. But who who's joining it? Is Todd gonna play? Todd's. I think Todd has the other Suzuki book too. Oh, great. Okay. And uh, then Ayano. And Ayana's playing the other hard movements. So She's playing like, yeah, we, it's like... We give all the hard music to Jihei and Ayano. Can I videotape Todd's performance <laughs> for Liquid Drum? He'll be good, but yes. And then just like put... Um, you'll just have to pick a head to track onto the video. It's just going to be a selfie video of me watching Todd play. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, that's perfect. 
I think Jihei's going to let me start playing. She's just going to sit in a chair on the edge of the stage, and then about 30 seconds in, she's going to start laughing and stand up and just go, hey, everybody, I was just kidding about Eric playing this part. Or I, I imagine there's two marimbas, <laughs> and then eventually she just starts playing quietly, and then she takes over yeah, and yeah, looks exactly. at you like, it's okay. It's okay. Is that? Okay. It's just okay. Is that? Just sit down. It is somebody in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Probably a telemarketer. I don't answer my phone if, the, if I don't have the person. Thought we get like edgy on here and really blow it out. Good. That's right. She's down in D.C. Okay. We won't see her then, will we? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, we were. Uh, we oh, were we were just talking trash. I the reason I called Josh is I mean there was seemed it seemed because I've I've started podcasting. I did. I thought it was going to be continuous, but it turns out there's season one, and then for a season two opener, given all this liquid drum hype, Josh Quillen seemed to be the perfect guy to open the season with. So you did you get Josh's you know recent feelings about Todd? Is that well, we're going to get to that, but I was—I just at least want to tell you, but the biggest reason to podcast is that like the three of us would never be in a room together right. unless we were Daydream. on a gig or if I said, if I made it feel like a gig where I was like, Josh, I kind of want to have a drink, but can we hold mics? And he was like, oh, if we hold mics, sure. then I, yeah, I got time. That's cool with me. And then you're here. Uh, and, and you're playing with Signal. What are you guys doing? I think we're doing the baby version of the concert that you're doing in two weeks. We're playing at the Guggenheim. Got it. But we're doing like we're doing quartet, and then some of the new piece, Pulse. Oh. And then you guys are gonna play Three Tales at Carnegie. They're gonna show part of a video from us playing it at Disney Hall, and then Steve and Beryl are gonna talk about life and love mm, and collaboration. Disney hall. Uh, yeah, it's a good hall, good room. It's a great room. <laughs> Good hall, good hall. Nice acoustic in that hall. So we're doing we're doing the small warm up show for your big Stern Carnegie show. I, I think which I big shows and there's that big Agnes Martin uh, exhibit at the Guggenheim right now, so it's a good time to. What's at the Guggenheim? Agnes Martin. There's a, a whole retrospective of Agnes Martin oh. at the Guggenheim. Totally awesome, from what I hear. I will see that tomorrow. I need to get over there and check it out. I will use my free pass to go check it out. Sick. Um. Three tails. You're playing a mallet part. I am. I'm playing vibraphone too. Think I might play that one. So many, so many four note chords. There, yeah, there are. There are a lot. Um, I said that made me feel bad about myself. The whole time I played it, I felt like. Mm. And there's now like, on the Reich 80th birthday day, Signal was using one of the photos as like me and Steve having the score moment, but the moment was him telling me like, I've I've written way too many thick chords. <laughs> if you get the top note. <laughs> In the bottom Just note, yeah, it's in the out. other, play but the it's in the other parts. It's okay, it's okay. If you can't play well, all of them, play the bottom or the top. <laughs> if you can play the bottom and the top, that's a, that's a even next better, step. even better. Then pick one in the middle, pick two. I don't know. I've got yeah. Adam Slowinski laying down vibraphone one, so I think I can just hide in hide in his, his sound. Keep he plays every note first, and I just play it after him. So if I just look like I played a note, and it's gonna be a th- authoritative, right? I'm gonna be playing a drum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the only one where great. there's like drum set writing from Reich, right? Or drum. There's drum like snare drum and bass drum, I think. Yeah, that's. I don't know any other Reich pieces that have that kind of. Thing. And a very annoying click track for you, Josh. Go. Your ears. Go. No, it's Go. a MIDI snare drum playing like the part. Oh. <laughs> oh. So like you're subjected to. <laughs> I haven't heard the click track yet. So yeah. Because um, when we did it, I kept being like, we could redo this. Like there's technology to piece of cake, you. They're like, no, no, no. Steve likes this one. 
Okay. Fair enough. And discussion over. Yeah, so that's fine. How is Pulse? Who? <laughs> oh, whoa, Parsley, parsley. You all right? That was my bad. Oh, sorry, Parsley. You really, you really did it there, Josh. You're playing Pulse. Actually, there's no percussion, so I'm gonna sit backstage and watch it happen. Oh shoot! What's Pulse? It's the new piece that will be on the concert. That's not the Adam the, will play the quartet. Piano piece. We're playing that. That's a humdinger. What's that Lovely. One quartet. 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 Not Malik Quartet. Not Malik Quartet. Quartet. Just quartet. <laughs> <laughs> I will just will like to point out that this interview has gone downhill since I, I know, joined. I, I yeah, like we really we have dorked out. It really. We'll uh, keep it a cash. Well, and this this is the problem, Josh. It's gotten way easier. But this is this is why I said about about Beach, Cha Beach, mm-hmm. that like my arch nemesis. He keeps it so he I keeps it so light. Is. He just keeps it so light and breezy. I'm like, there are no problems in the world. Let's just chat. You play that. I play this. This is great. You have a dog. Your pants are perfectly fitting. Let's move on. I, I had to sew these ones back. You see this? The, there's Aww. a hole. Mm. You had to sew your hem. Yeah. Poor guy. I can't afford um, tailors. So. I need to up my sock game. Yeah, you do. That's true. You know, Doug, you and I used to have the same shoes. And it seems like we used to wear those Skechers that were the same. <laughs> they, we had the Skechers. I, I moved away. I pivoted away. And then this summer, I got these uh, for Chosen Bale because these felt like I could wear these as, as kind of summery. They were kind of like a summery something. But then I, I used to, then because of this other guy who I was at Yale with, this guy, Eric, he only had black socks. He's like I, black socks, so, so I never. So you never had to think idea. about it. You just don't think. So then I went. I went long black, short white, but then I started wearing all these brown shoes. Oh, and, these and then Nike socks. You're wearing. And they're Nike, and it's just just like I'm. I'm saying, man. I'm saying I, I, I'm married. I have a kid. I just, <laughs> just got some priorities. Under Armour socks recently, and if I can put in a plug for Under Armour, they make fantastic socks. What? This is an interesting podcast now that Eric's here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to get a sock endorsement. Well, we've done underwear. Now we're doing socks. Let's talk about Todd. Todd's funny. Um, yeah. So, uh, hi, Yumi. You want some whiskey, Yumi? Okay. Everybody's drinking whiskey. So what was the first <laughs> shot fired in the Josh Quillen, Todd, me, and war? I don't remember. Because I was trying to, I was trying to blame... I was trying to blame you, but then I started to think that maybe it was his review of your record. No, no, no. That was the review of the record was after I think Todd and I had started our feud. There was a moment where Todd stood on a stack of soap percussion CDs, right? Yeah. That, that was, was a moment. That I think it was after that. No, I think that was before the steel drum review. I well so I personally feel like Todd Meehan is doing for the percussion world what Rick Flair did for professional wrestling. And I mean that in the best possible way as a compliment because professional wrestling is part of an accepted mainstream sporting event, entertainment, something that the masses in general know about. And percussion isn't hasn't always fit neatly into that category. We've sort of, you know, the very specific niche that we our world tends to speak to and that's natural um, but it tends to be ourselves 
and I feel like Todd. And I think by as a product of that, we tend to take everything we do super seriously. And Todd, I feel like, has really done a tapped into that like inherently funny thing that comes from like a bunch of people in the room talking about how to play one triangle note or how to play a water gong. You know he has a video on the internet where he tries to actually teach you how to play a triangle note? I know he does, and that's what's so funny about the whole thing. Is like, That's where he started? Yeah. And he and it's like the worst triangle it's video ever. It's terrible. <laughs> it's objectively terrible, and I think that the world... Uh, this goes back to the... like. I was talking to Eric this the other day. I, I think laughter is like one of the best feelings on the planet. It's like a better... I don't want to say it's better. It is a feeling that's on par with like having a full belly or like a nice night out with a lady or something like just belly laughs. And my wife is awesome, by the way, just to clarify. But laughter. The lady, not a lady. The lady. Um, (laughs) Laughter is one of the things that sort of cuts through and puts everybody on the same level. And. Todd somehow in a very genuine and I mean this sincerely has managed to figure out how to both make fun of and highlight the most ridiculous parts of our career while at the same time making you laugh at it and then also somehow being like oh he's got the the all-state band snare drum solo up I'll check that out and you can sort of be deceived into thinking that like he's tricked you into watching that video because you know it's nice to have a reference when you're in high school kid to see somebody really good play something like, oh, wow, I didn't know it could be played that well. That's awesome. But then to get there through, like, wearing a snorkel and playing the water gong next to, like, a weird, like, pool is... It's like the SNL Saturday Live version of... It's how SNL affected pol- affects politics. Todd Meehan has sort of, I think, affected the drum world in a way that is is healthy and funny. I'll say this sounds to me like Josh is implying that it's not a real feud that's happening online. I think you need to uh, shut your mouth here. I ch- my beach. perception has been that it is a very real feud. My in the same way that Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat when they get in the ring or when they're being interviewed will yell at each other and throw each other off the top turnbuckle. But as soon as they clock out, buddy, it's just a, you know, it's all for entertainment. I have two things to say about it. One, we all know Todd. He's just not this funny in person. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He's better whenever his curation, when his when his humor can be uh, edited um, by himself over a long period of time. Then he's hysterical. He's tapped into what other people thought was funny about him when he didn't realize he was trying to be funny. Right. It's and now it's, he owns it and controls it. I think Jessica just needed some Jessica time <laughs> and bought Todd a, Todd a camera. <laughs> and she's like, Todd, why don't you make a funny video while I um, ignore you? Because I don't want to be around you right now. And Todd's like, ooh, a camera. And he goes and makes a, <laughs> he goes and makes a video. He's like, Final Cut Pro, that's great. When we were in Aspen this summer, uh huh, he was recognized a number of times. Yeah. Like one so I was there to give like a thing. So I went in and he was just he was like, I'll just come like hang out. 
And at some point I realized that no one's really looking at me. <laughs> and I had to be like, do you guys, do you, you guys know Todd, huh? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I'm done doing my thing, people are like taking selfies with Todd and asking him a million questions. <laughs> and then we go to an orchestra concert and just people in the audience are like, you're the guy from the internet. You're the guy from the internet. So it's like he's famous for being famous, like, like he's a Kardashian. Except he does more than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's. I will say this for Todd, he is objectively good at what he does. I think that's high praise from Josh Quillen. I think you may not always. Uh, I think it's objectively funny. It is without a doubt hysterical, and I think anyone who is like watches, wa- anybody who can watch the video of him roundhouse kicking a set of wind chimes, or a mark tree, like mm. in slow motion while I don't know, there's like some hip hop video that or recording that's playing while he's doing right. It's damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Yeah, anybody that mind ghetto boys. That's yeah, like that is funny. My wife who loathes the percussion dork talk watches that video and loses her shit laughing because it is funny it's funny well, did you see did you see the snare drum the xylophone you saw the xylophone practice one because i remember yeah, you, you were playing porgy and bass over and over again <laughs> <laughs> and then yelling at himself that's me i know what that feels like just the moment that he's laying on the floor writing on his arm <laughs> like that is twisted and one of the things we said about you before you got here, Eric, was that like, I don't, Josh was saying, no, 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 Eric's messed up. And I say, I never get to see Eric. And he said that your darkness, you keep your darkness well organized. Enough. Of course, I don't like sharing my darkness online. But like Todd, but Todd, like you never, the most I did for 20 years could see if Todd was really about to lose it is like, he gets a facial tick sometimes. Mm-hmm. He'll get a facial tick or you'll just see his shoulders up. But then to see him laying on the floor writing... I'm putting this here so you know who you are. <laughs> like, oh my God. I've just never had a fantasy that dark. I don't. My brain does not go there. Yeah, I think Todd. Well, Todd, I think, is acting out the like the thing that every student in percussion, probably in music in general, has felt or said to themselves at one point or another, but just been too afraid to say it. And I say that knowing that students of mine do that very thing because as a teacher, you're not always aware of the damage that you're sort of laying on your students by saying, like, you're not playing this well enough or what, you're not prepared for a lesson today? Why aren't you prepared for a lesson today? And sometimes the answers are, as a student, you're embarrassed to say something, so you make up something. Like his thing where he's like, hold it, has the backpack on, he's making right, up all right. these excuses. It's like, I've done that. I know what that's like. And now as a teacher, I, when I see it coming a mile away, it's just like, oh, God, here it comes. And you can see it. When a student is like, oh, I've been playing too much, you know, I had a long night of video games last night. I had a student who was two hours late to a rehearsal once look at me and be like, yeah, I was up playing video games all last night. I was like, I kind of genuinely appreciate your honesty, but that's ridiculous. But I've been there. I know what that's like. Like, and he's just putting it in an edited, curated format that everybody can point out and be like, you know. Next topic. I, I think next topic. One of the things Todd has done is next topic is wrong. Um, next really topic raised the bar for students because when he posted that practice excuse video, um, 
the teachers who were responding to it all sympathized. They said, yeah, I've heard these before. And, and I'm sure lots of students watched it and thought, I said that last week in my lesson and crap, now I can't use that one again. And it's actually, it's pushing, it's, it's raising the bar for creativity. You have to come up with a better excuse <laughs> now. When you come in unprepared for a lesson. Well, and it's also like the when you saw your when you saw your like the first time you saw a teacher out in the real world, like at the grocery store, and you're like, whoa, 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 you're not supposed to be out here. Like that sort of when you realize that someone's a human being, your teacher's a human being who like has to buy food at the grocery store too. It's a moment, and with Todd, like I think through this medium, he's managed to like show all of his students that he's 100% aware of everything that they're doing because he's been there. And he knows that diet, like that's an important thing for students to realize that like your teachers are not these people who like were like grown in a field somewhere and plucked and like made teachers. Like we've all, we know everything that you say and will eventually say, we know why you're late for your lesson and we know why you smell like alcohol when you show up to a lesson <laughs> at nine in the morning. Like it's not rocket science. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that like you're not hiding it very well. <laughs> And Todd is like sort of just shining a light on that in a way that's really funny. And um, I think is, you know, it's good. And I think just a little self-deprecation in the percussion world is probably not a bad thing. A little awareness that what we do is kind of ridiculous. Just a little bit. Well, uh, for sure all the students at Baylor know what Todd is doing when his office door is closed now. I think so. Because they, pro they probably used to wonder about it all the time. They'd be like, Todd's office, is his door is closed again. He said, don't knock. Well, and the funny thing is he used to have a solid door, but they've now put windows on all the doors. And you put something over the windows, right? There's, there's a thing that goes over for taping. Because <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little strange in there sometimes. I will say I'm a little disappointed that I have not been in any of the videos personally. I feel like you have a cameo. You've been in a few. Maybe just one. That's true. Well, and Jason was in it at Pacey. Jason and Todd weren't. Uh, Jason and Tim. Jason and Tim. Were in one. And Beach, uh, Beach got the, uh, I, well, you yeah, can marry I our daughters. A brief, a brief shout out, which was, I appreciated that. Yeah. I, it yeah. feels like. Well, you should tell them that you're going to Pacey. Maybe Todd owes it to Josh. With all that he's been riding Josh's coattails off of this yeah, feud, I mean, it is true. He really has been using you for the for the I'll bump, say Todd's the bump video, on the social. Like the promotion of his videos that he's gotten by default of me. Every time he tags Josh in a video, twice as many likes. I mean, it's 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 clear the ratings yeah, this, are now. Higher. This is this is beat. This is Chop Beach going People into. Are you're going into Do Donald Trump mode. You're like yeah, anytime, anytime I'm in a video, twice as many likes. Twice People all the polls say me. they're twice People as popular. Have, People have told polls. Online polls are telling me that my that, my videos are the most my, popular videos. My presence on Todd's videos are the reason that anybody watches them. So uh, you know, until uh, someone tells me otherwise, I I'm just gonna think Todd needs to have me in a video. Josh Quillen gets the best ratings. I get the best likes. <laughs> I get the most likes. Gets the, he gets the best likes. My likes on Todd's That's posts. true. They are Josh the best likes. They are huge. the cyber. <laughs> he, he runs the cyber. So don't mess with Josh Quillen. I invented the internet, and I invented Todd. Todd was actually grown in a Petri dish, thanks to <laughs> me. Um, and I introduced him to Jessica. And I introduced him to his two kids, who I bought at 
uh, big and small lots and gave to him and Jessica. He doesn't even know that. Um, so anyway, I just think I deserve to be on the video. Yeah, fact checked all that, Doug. Good luck. That's that's great. I'll have my team get on that. Your team. <laughs> well, like like his team at Liquid Drum. We here at Liquid Drum. His like my favorite. We here in my think, office when I should be working or practicing or doing anything. I, I think my favorite Todd Liquid Drum video is the board meeting he had. Oh, <laughs> that was classic. That was that was Liquid Drum to a T. He still hasn't monetized. Was that the entrepreneurship? There's episode? a shocker. That was the first quarterly board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> he is overdue for another. He needs board a sponsorship. Meeting. How to run your own nonprofit? He needs like Liquid Drum sponsored by like anybody, uh, like Fun Dip or Slim Jim, Big League Chew. Yo, yeah, Big League Chew brings you Liquid Drum. Gosh, this is amazing, actually. And like, not like Vic Firth or Pearl Pearl Drums or Remo or yeah, Zildan. he could. Like, well, it needs to be like, like a corporate, like a like a non percussion. You know, you guys know Pascal Labou, right? Yeah, totally. He's got an underwear endorsement. A what? He's got an underwear endorsement. Ask him about it. Are you I forget. Serious? Dead serious, because his band toured with D'Angelo, and like <gasps> through his D'Angelo tour, like some underwear company was like, "Crap, you're kidding me." Uh. Uh-uh. He's my new hero, Pascal. Yeah. All right, well, then what? We need uh, to get Todd. Okay. So listen, I'm going to turn my hatred around, and I, my I, I need to get Todd an endorsement. I, I need, think it needs to be an endorsement from a company that people thought only existed in the '80s and haven't heard of since then, and it happens to like Big League Chew. Is it still out there? I had Metallica. Some last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> Well, a lot well, of people think they only exist. But it could be like okay, uh, uh, maybe Megadeth or Motley Crue. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like Sepultura. Uh, Gateway Computers sponsors Liquid Drum. Is Gateway Computers still around? They were the one Texas Instruments. Te- oh my gosh. Yeah, TI eighty two. TI eighty two. This podcast. You Liquid Drum. This is this is we've got that. We've got absolutely <laughs> nothing. Uh, but I think we'll we're on. But I think something. somebody could start making like clip arts that he could tag to the beginning of his videos. Mm-hmm. Of just like, tech, like a picture of Texas Instruments, and then the video starts. Or <laughs> he, should, he should open his videos with the America Online, like the. the or that there's like a video, the maybe the video, video, like you're like, I'm having a hard time figuring this out. Figuring he's this like, polyrhythm out. There's like a product placement. He's like, Would you like to use my graphing calculator from Texas Instruments? <laughs> <laughs> and I could be like sitting there trying to figure out like polyrhythms in in Mateau or something. Being like, I don't know, I just can't figure it out, and I've got like some old like solar powered calculator, and he's like, "Why don't you try my TI eighty <laughs> three? And he can hand it over, and I'm like, "Beep boop, beep boop, boop. Oh, that's just seven over six. Do you remember the the case on those? Oh yeah, uh, totally. You you type in zero seven seven three four, and so you could say it upside down, and it would say hello. hello. You were. I love that you remember the numbers. Well, I just did it in my head. Okay, good. Sorry. You just did it like when you were walking down the hallway. Saying, and I was, actually, like, I, I hope they asked me about this. <laughs> Four, three, seven, seven, zero. But if you flip it upside down, it's it's backwards. So you have to. Anyway. Yeah, nerd alert. I think we should send this to Todd. I don't know if we can send him the whole podcast or. He'll hear it. Okay. Maybe not this far in. <laughs> but we're talking about like monetizing. Like, what does he need to do to mon? Like, how much money do you think he needs? Like, what's I mean? Because what's he? What's it? What's his bottom line? Uh, on liquid drum yeah like what's his pretty, I, pretty low i have watched i mean it's his time right like I that's basically watched, it it's his yeah it's his um, it's his time because jessica bought him the camera to get him to get him in the basement for more than five minutes so that she could 
I've uh, watched Fixer sanity. Upper, and it is very inexpensive to live in Waco. So uh, it's true. Todd's overhead has got to be really low, really small. Yeah, but he's got two kids, and he's got a bunch of pecan trees. Oh shoot! Yeah. Well, he's got. He did buy a new house, but it's still. Yeah. Somehow, so our kids are friends. That's too and, bad. And well, we do what we can. But he has a little he has a little garden apartment. So mm-hmm. sometimes Jake and I will go down there and he'll hang. So yeah. like Jake has really wanted to buy the neighbor's house because he's like he knows he's like for the price of a house in Waco. Like I bet our house we could sell our house totally buy the neighbor's house. Put me through college. It's for sale. I haven't had the heart to tell him. Don't let him listen to this and podcast. I tell him what he's definitely not going to college. That's right. Like when Jake is like 15 and listening to what his dad does, he's like, you dickhead. We could have lived there. <laughs> we could have lived in Waco. <laughs> I haven't had the heart to tell you. I've could, we could have gone no to Dichotomy Coffee like every day. Every day. We could have gone to, to, to Balcones Whiskey. Every day. Every day. Todas las dias. Could have had. Mama Ninfas. No. Ninfas. Yeah, there's a Ninfas. Not nymphas. I'm sorry, nymphas. Nymphas. And now you guys have to go back because now there's a place nymphas. called Lula Jane's. I don't know. That there's one. like all these new hipstery places. And actually, if you eat at the um, Magnolia Silos for mm-hmm. the for Fixer Upper fans, they have a uh, food truck uh, court in the middle. There's a great um, natural hot chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Sick. Sick, yo. So what else do we have to? What else, what other topics do we need to cover? I think we're good. I think we need to let you go. I was going to ask you why you have a nesting doll on your on your. Feel like I feel like well, there's like all kind of Josh like stories about your tattoos and there are we're supposed it's to cry and stuff. So maybe another no, no, time. You don't have to cry. I can tell you real quick. The Ohio one is because I'm from Ohio, Ohio and that is uh, kind of looks like my dog Sasha. He's from Ohio. Sasha dog. Just speaking of family members, this one is uh, the back of a. Um, St. Christopher, who's the patron saint of travelers, uh, is a necklace my dad gave me before he passed away, and it's just a bunch of old retro images of travel. This one, my wife loves owls. Um, and this one is the very first uh, tour I went on with So was in Russia, and I brought back yeah, right. a stacking doll, and this is the this is that stacking doll. I didn't want to, like, I, I have this arm is... Uh, How's your wife feel that the so one is bigger than the owl? She doesn't. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't uh, think that's true. Uh, people, people <laughs> are Donald Trump chiming in again. People are telling me <laughs> that the owl is the biggest owl. Is not as big as this other one. Nobody has verified that the nobody's that verified. The Matryoshka doll is bigger than the uh, owl. No, it's not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> she. Uh, it has more ink. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, this 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 <laughs> these are these are, are people and places and things that are special to me. Um, but that don't have to be like I didn't want to get the hammer and teacup or have like a, an weird. image that people would be like, Oh, that's from so because that's a little gauche. Um so I decided I won't show you mine. to go <laughs> Where is yours? He's Maybe I have that on, on my back. <laughs> <laughs> you have a big so on your lower back. I've got a hammer and a lower I've got back. This, I've got the so uh the bell guy. As a lower back, smiles at you. Just that's why you don't want your butt. So when I bend over too far, (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be pretty amazing if you had a lower back tattoo, wouldn't it? Though, I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. We're gonna end this podcast with this. Two things. I will be a funder on two things. So I'll fund Liquid Drum. 
You'll give the first five dollars. No, you no, gotta no, give no. Feels Here's good what's going to happen. I will do two things. One, I will donate five hundred dollars to Liquid Drum if Doug Perkins gets a lower back tattoo <laughs> of Liquid Drum. I think we can all rest easy that your five hundred dollars is safe. I'll tell you what. It can be a liquid. It could be a lower back tattoo of anything you want, but it's got to be a lower back tattoo. And in that, if that happens, Todd Meehan I, and Liquid Drum are going to get five hundred dollars from Josh Quillen. I would like to. And I'll pay for your tattoo. You don't even have to like pay for it. Thanks, I, man. I'd like to request Keep that, that the challenge be modified. Modify away. That the, the tattoo has to be a Chinese character. Uh, but maybe it's maybe it's the Chinese symbol for Liquid Drum. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and and actually, that uh, Doug can't know the meaning of the character. Uh, Todd gets to pick it. This is fun. So are you gonna sac? This is this, listen. Like we talked about earlier, life is about sacrifices and giving yourself to greater causes. And I will say that Liquid Drum perhaps is a greater cause. We're gonna all end up. It's the most significant thing any of us have done. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> We're all gonna end up. In a pile of ash, sometime at, at some point in our lives, Doug. So, what's what's a lower back tattoo gonna? It's definitely really matter? our greatest podcast. This is by far your greatest podcast. It is. Oh, is there more vlogs? Yeah, I'm they sorry. don't. He doesn't podcast. Is there a name for your podcast? It's Five Days with Doug. If you you can find it by searching Five Days with Doug or SoundCloud. It's on SoundCloud or iTunes. Or if you go to DougPerkins.com, there's or a podcast you, link. If you Google things I wish I wouldn't have listened to, <laughs> it shows up. Well, uh, where does the name come from? Uh, the premise, which we, I'm horrible at the premise, but it's fine. Uh, I didn't do my homework. Well, the name, the Doug comes from, from me, Doug. Okay, cool. I got <laughs> and that. And then, uh, the, the, the original idea was that as a point of departure for coming into the podcast, I'd ask anybody coming onto the show what you've done for the last five days. So if you get booked five days out, my original hope was like five days out, you would say in the next five days, I hope to do all these things for work. I hope to take my wife out. I hope to run. I hope to eat better, like make some goals. And then we talk about how you did accomplishing did you do that with Josh before I got here. What did but, you say? But, so I did that first. I made it very specific. And then I did the first, my first test case was Feeney. And he was just like, why would anyone ever do this? This is so <laughs> stupid. You're crazy. And then he kind of had me feeling bad that it was like, Oh yeah, I need more therapy. <laughs> Fine. So I've just kind of said, I've, your- I, so I've left it vague to be like, Right. Tell me we're going to talk about the last five days of your life so you could make a list on the first day. Or, and so then we open Josh's calendar and then I think it was a good point of departure. That's right. yeah. So it allowed us to talk about work. It allowed us to talk. Remember Jamie for a while. It, we had many. So it, I use those as, as a point of departure that's, and it can go. That's cool. We went straight. We went straight into the deep end of the pool. But like some people like Feeney's car broke down. We talked a lot about his car being broken today. No, this was some time ago. When he did it, when he was on the podcast, yeah, somebody oh. talked about their like their cat was sick. Does that anybody week. ever ask you what your last five days were like? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I guess so. You want to just do a quick rundown? Sure, no. we can do a quick rundown. Uh, five days ago, I think these were a good five Today's days. Today's the seventh, so it was. Uh, so if we go to Monday, it was good. I I uh, just come back from Boston, so uh, I was home for most of the week. Boco. From Boco, we did a great concert this weekend. We played. Uh, my kids did Malnutrition's Voices in Oregon, and they loved it and that were so fired piece. up. It's the best. They were so fired up. And then uh, we did uh, some of them in the noise, which also is so great. 
I what's a middle well, noise? Uh, what is uh, that? What by Jason Who? Truding? Uh, a piece which I played some of the first performances of back in the day. Uh, and I remember you seeing. Uh, I remember you uh, programming at Dartmouth. Oh yeah, that was my first right. time seeing you use uh, Ableton. Nice, because I got I got skills. <laughs> um, but back in the day, our friend Jason would bring to rehearsal, like when he was first starting to compose things. He'd be on the subway and would bring in post-it notes with words. Curry in a hurry. For example, per ejemplo, uh, curry in a hurry. <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, so I was there for many of the frustrating days of like, curry in a hurry. I'm over Where there going, fuck this. Can you just write the rhythms out, stupid? And Adam's those like, this is amazing. Those, day, those, those days are definitely over. A thousand um, years developing a system. And yeah. And, and so I think... Uh, he and I both learned a lot about our friendship and about tolerance and about music making through those experiences. Did the did the Boko students enjoy it? Yes, because well, because the, the moral of the story is since 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 then, I love I love putting students through the ringer of like figure out this stuff. And as you know, having done it yourselves as practitioners and teachers, you know, having that conversation is great. And they were wonderful. We did life is blank. They blew it so hard on life is blank but we're cueing their faces off there was oh, yeah. atomic cues all over the place is this some um, uh concert honesty on behalf of your yeah i think so students? sure okay. I, but i think they would admit it so it was just great it was like people loved it like people loved it mm. uh it was fun speaking of ableton like we did go and one of the guys like built some sound design for the middle section <laughs> dum dum was so stressed out he forgot to cue it <laughs> So we still had some nice, we still had some nice bass, some some synth going on, but no, no, no kaleidoscopic sound design. Um, <laughs> but so it was just like a sea of like good intentions and oh, and failure, and people loved it. That should be the title of So's book: a sea of good intentions <laughs> and failure. Well, I thought you were going to say a sea of kaleidoscopic sound design. That's <laughs> no. occasional kaleidoscopic sound design. Good intentions and failure is a better sort of self-aware title, I think. <laughs> But so it was great. And so they were good. People loved it. Their necks were so hot. We're going to do it again. Because, again, we have um, to go back to the service thing. We talked about this a little bit last year. I'm with some Boko kids trying to figure out ways to do things in the community, mm. um, both like let's feed homeless people and let's like comfort people with music and occasionally play interesting concerts. But so we, we're going to do a bunch of Amid the Noise shows, I think. Sweet. Because we built a little compact setup it was wonderful it was a wonderfully flawed performance that's that great. I'm very proud of them for their flaws i would love to come up to boco and help with any sort of service component you guys are doing yeah we're gonna hook it up we just don't uh, throw away so we 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 merged with berkeley this year which is a whole other conversation and i think i think good and interesting but um it's a sea of it's been a sea of activity up there yeah that's but great. we're still we're i'm i'm back on that stick um, so just to head back to you, uh, so we had MMBO, so yeah. we had Amid the Noise. Uh, and then yeah, and um, there was some new, s- some new tunes. Uh, Sam Solomon arranged a Missy Mazzoli piano piece. It was cool. Awesome. Um, this guy, Haroya Miura, did a piece. Uh, Haroya wrote a piece for So way back in the day. I tried to play musical saw. It's like... It's a, there's a redemption. You can have redeem it. There's a bad somewhere. There's only one musical saw player in my uh, Rolodex. 
Yeah. It's Eric I think Bradley me too. Chubb Not me. Um, and then we did a piece. It was actually kind of funny. I wish I remembered the composer. There was a piece written for Third Coast, like one of their first pieces that the kids really, really played well um, that Sam worked on them with. It's called Flex, but I'm forgetting the composer's name. Sorry, Whiskey. Um, Sam, but Sam seems awesome. I, can yeah, I just I've never say, met Sam. I, I think I've met him in passing like one time. He's I pretty really great. I want to get a beer with that dude sometime. He's really great. Arranging Missy Mazzoli's music. Well, and we, he and I emailed a bunch about he. There's some steel drum stuff in his like writing for percussion book. Yeah, the new the new edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's super thoughtful and I would super love lovely to, and thoughtful. Love to grab a beer with him too. He's about to have another kid. He's got he's gonna have three kids. He's a great. He's a good dude. Though everybody at Boko is great. It's him. And then there's um Kyle Brightwell who plays in the BSO. Who's awesome. like super nice. And then Nancy Zeltzman, super lovely. Right now, so my week. I've been home from that. I've been practicing. I learned some thinking songs. Uh, it was a lovely week at home. Uh, so I learned, I'm making a record with Larry Polanski, my old boss from Dartmouth in a couple of weeks. He's written some impossible music that I'm trying to learn. Awesome. Uh, I'm, I help out with the Cub Scouts. Yeah. So we had a Cub Scout meeting on Tuesday. We had to build an obstacle course with the Cub Scouts. I just bought some trails and popcorn. Yeah, I should have hit you up. We're selling some popcorn right well, now. Well, I didn't actually, I, I, Gave twenty bucks and then gave the popcorn to somebody else because I am fat enough. Yeah, we're definitely we're trying to, you know, sell enough to get the good pocket knife. I'll buy some popcorn. Nice. Can you donate it to somebody else, or just take twenty bucks? Either way. But if I give you twenty bucks, I'm fairly certain it's not going to end. I could give somebody some nice, unbelievable butter. Yeah. What about the jalapeno cheese thing? I'm a little skeptical. I don't think we we don't we're not selling the jalapeno cheese. Yeah, they were like. We have jalapeno cheese. Yeah, that's I'm skeptical of that too. You guys need to stick. Our big sellers like are the stick jalapeno thi- cheese popcorn. Stick to thin mints. We do thin the mints and Samoas. That's what people want. They don't want the, the caramel popcorn cheese. sells okay. Who doesn't love some air pop? The regular microwave. Maybe a little white cheddar. We do have a a, a white chocolate covered pretzel. That's lovely. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Um. Anyhow, yeah. So we did some of that because it was like uh, a lot of hanging with Jake. Uh, Nathan Davis was in town. I subjected Jake to dinner with Nathan, which was really funny. He told Sweet. Jake's getting funny. I think he told Nathan yo mama jokes for like a good chunk of <laughs> the hang. You know, I I was I crashed at your place for some reason when So was in town. Uh huh. I slept on an air mattress in your studio, and you brought Jake in. I was like in my underwear, like underneath <laughs> a thin sheet, just like pretending that I wasn't in your studio in my underwear and like I, I like I heard a rustling around I like rolled over and looked up and Jake was staying there looking as if it was like you could tell that that's going to come out in a therapy session like when he's 27 we do need to talk about the fact that I've lost so much money since you guys played at Millennium Park mm-hmm. there was the moment where Josh was saying lots of bad words and then he just Wait. got out a dollar or two and handed them to Jake because Jake was like I heard that oh, and wanted yeah. money and then you just handed him a couple dollars yeah. and we're like I'm going to be saying lots of things Jake since then, his like his swear money collection thing, he's bought actual things from that. Yeah, it's all that your fault. Really smart. Pay it forward, buddy. That, I don't think I was that smart. Yeah, so he made he made a dollar twenty five off the dinner with Nathan. Oh yeah, that's it. He was he was you need reading to take a book. Me to dinner with Jake and that kid will end up he'll be like in, investing in like. Merck pharmaceutical shares by the end of the evening That's because right. <laughs> yes yeah, so you ruined I swear it for so that. Much. 
um i know but i think it's been a lot of like hitting things trying to answer email and then super jake time which has been great because it's been i've had one of as you guys have probably had for years i've had one of those years where i keep telling myself i'm gonna be home and it's gonna slow down but like things haven't been slow for two and a half years which is great. Not the, always. It's fine. It's great for some things, but not for all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm ready for more days at home. But I'm yeah. grateful for the days when I'm in Chicago and we're moving I'm, slowly. I am more and more aware every day, and I think I can speak for Eric on this. I'm sure I can speak for you. Like, my wife, family, and being home is, like, the best. Like, Stephanie is rad. And being around her is so much fun and so satisfying. And I'm sure you can say the same for Lauren and, and Jake and, and Yeji. Like, it's great. So figure that out. You know, it's important. It's good. Well, and just like highlights of this trip will include this conversation and being around the people I love in, in yeah. town. Because doing this, seeing you guys now, I'll see some friends tomorrow. I'll see friends every day I'm here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, flying to New York to hit a vibraphone with all due respect to the great music I'm making. And the vibraphone. And the vibraphone and Uncle Steve. It's this that is, is the better parts. And so being home, that's the good stuff. Okay, with that, we have to let him go. So I love you guys very much. Love you too, Doug. Love this you is, too, Doug. Thanks for having us. It's really nice. It's good and to have see. friends. Thank you for letting me know that there are people out there that can get you better than you thought you could be God. Thank you. For letting me know that there are people out there that can get you better than you thought you could.
you could be God. 